if it's really gone pear shaped, all you need to do is basically just delete the preferences and let Windows fix it up again. Windows? Uh, I mean, you know, Mac. <laughs> <coughs> Shut up. And let Mac.com supporting the New Zealand Mac community. Welcome, everyone, to nzmac.com, podcast number 31. This is David, and I'm here once again with Darren. How are you doing, Darren? I'm pretty good, considering so, everything that's happened. Oh, we're going to talk about Snow Leopard tonight. So yep. we're recording this on the 28th of August, 2009. The last time you and I did a podcast, we were at, uh, what was the name of the hotel? Uh, the Novotel. No, it wasn't the Novotel. Yeah, it was the was Novotel. It? Yeah, it was. was it? Yeah, you're right, because that's where I usually stay when I'm in Wellers. That's right. So we were at the Novotel, and I was I was there overnight, and so you came down after work, wasn't it? And then yep. didn't we try to persuade one of the guys? I think I was listening to that, and we kind of sounded like idiots. Hey, are you installing boot camp <laughs> on that computer? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I didn't hear back from him. I heard back from him once. Um, he was going to sort it out with the guys, um, what they were going to do. Um, oh, yeah. But um, I, I actually went grab some documents. I, I was going to – I actually thought it was one of the models that you could easily um, replace the hard drive on, but it turned out it wasn't. It's really? It's a somewhat more complex um, thing with, with that model, with the later model ones. You can't basically pop out a, a tray and that's it. Do you have to remove the screen? Yep. No kidding. Is it one of those? <clears throat> yep. Oh man. Yeah, they went they went backwards with the later one. Um, I because they they had that run um, was the one that didn't have the rounded back. I think it was. Um, and we, uh, where you replaced the RAM, there was just a um, a door on the bottom, right. and you just pop the hard drive out, pop the RAM out, and. Um, but, yeah, there's um, none of that on the new ones. So it's what, all signed, sealed, and delivered again. Okay, because so what people didn't hear on the podcast is that after we finished recording, we actually, we did go up and, and well, you you were the one that kind of diagnosed what the problem was just by kind of mm. monkeying around with it. And so the guy was pretty grateful, and he let me he let me do a late checkout as a result. So I got to stay there, which was handy because I don't think I was flying until about 2 in the afternoon. And I had a series of uh, meetings in the next the next morning, and I didn't really want to just leave my bag. I went after the meetings. I wanted to kind of go chill out for a bit before yep. I got on the plane. But um, not that it's a long flight home, but to Dunedin from Wellington. But no, that was good. I was there. It was a lot of fun. But it's we certainly sounded pretty goofy on that podcast. <laughs> I have to admit, yeah. I was actually quite quite amazed at how good the microphone and the and the MacBook Pro was. I, I was expecting to be, yeah. um, you know, sound a little bit weird, but. Um, it did sound that, pretty. That good. was just left to the fact that that was just me. No, it was no, no. It was you're you're, you're right because a lot of people do expect the fact that it would sound because that was recorded entirely using the onboard mic, which is just right around the left speaker of a 15 inch MacBook Pro unibody mm. uh, from late 2008. And um, yeah, it, I actually use that mic primarily just when I'm recording lectures. So because I record most of my lectures and and. It, I, I'm, you know, I'm talking huge theaters with, you know, two, three hundred, four hundred students in them sometimes, and it mm. records just fine. I mean, you do hear the echo from the theater itself, but a lot of the theaters, uh, lecture theaters at Otago, have some pretty good sound dynamics, particularly one in particular, which is actually used for, you know, theatrical productions. So the sound quality is is amazing. So it picks it up just fine. Yeah. So I, I agree. I think it was, I think it was good sound quality overall. Mm. Yeah, I was actually quite amazed that I picked it up when you were, because you were spent most of the time leaning back away mm. from the mic, and I, I was yeah. quite amazed that it picked that up pretty good. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it is pretty neat. <clears throat> how, how, how the gain, I guess, is it's a pretty high quality mic. 
have to admit. So yeah. we're going to talk about Snow Leopard tonight, right? Because it's, we are. it just got released, uh, well, yesterday, today's 29th, so it got released technically yesterday. Yep. Um, so the now I haven't installed it, and um, basically, here's the rumor that I've heard, because we're recording this on a Saturday evening, it's just past 6 o'clock, and what I've heard, because I called Magnum Mac on Friday, I think it was, or Thursday, uh, my local Magnum Mac here in Dunedin, they said that they weren't going to get it because the, the, necessarily tomorrow, i.e. being Friday, or yeah. on the weekend, simply because <clears throat> the flight from Australia was delayed, and therefore they're not going to technically have it. But then I'm seeing online tonight, like within the last couple of hours, um, that uh, the Albany store, I believe, in the new market store of Magnum Mac, unless they're one and the same, or I'm not sure, um, they they have copies of it, and you can actually go and buy it there. And they hmm. have, apparently they have loads of copies. So I wouldn't have been surprised if I would have moseyed down to uh, Magnum Mac this afternoon. I probably would have actually got a copy. I didn't order a copy through Apple. Is that how you got yours? Uh, yeah, I, I just um, I also helped fill out. I just clicked on the link and um, went through the Apple Store and yeah. um, and all that. But I, I got mine like it was actually later. Normally, an order will come through and it'll be here around about lunchtime. Right. So there was definitely a delay. Okay. Um, it didn't look like oh, I suppose it was four o'clock when they left Auckland. Right. Um, and given you know an eight-hour drive. So that's around about 12 o'clock there, so I don't know what happened there. Well, they would have um, flown it from Auckland to Wellington. They would have put it on a plane, surely. Wouldn't no, they? possibly, yeah. 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 So that you, okay, that, that's a good, it's a good point to raise. It. On, on the nzmac.com site, if uh, you, know, you want to lend a hand in keeping the site up to date and, and, and helping fill out, uh, as you point out, to um, you know, kind of pay the bills, so to speak, if you mm. fills a, the, the site itself is a Mac affiliate, I believe it's called. So you click on yep. the link and you can do your shopping and then every, a little small proportion of, uh, or percentage of what you actually buy helps nzmac.com. So that would be really good. We'd all appreciate that. That would be excellent. Yeah. Um, so you so you ordered it. When did you order it? Um, well, I got paid on Wednesday, so I, I ordered it on Wednesday. <laughs> really? Excellent. Yep. See, I, I, I got so tied up last week. I was in Auckland on Thursday night, uh, or Thursday, all day Thursday. I flew up Thursday morning, and I flew back Thursday night. And that's why we couldn't record this on, you know, typically the last Thursday of every month uh, as we planned. Mm. Um, but I completely forgot about it. Because uh, I was getting ready for that trip and just getting ready for meetings, so I totally forgot to order it. And then it was quite funny because I was sitting in the Auckland departure lounge um, at in the domestic terminal, just kind of waiting for my flight, which was slightly delayed. And there was a guy that kind of sat across from me and uh, opened up a 13-inch unibody and plugged in, I guess, just to get some juice. So I kind of struck up a conversation with him, and it turns out he's a listener. <laughs> he's listened to the podcast before, so he's heard it. And uh, I didn't get his name, but he works at one of the other universities uh, here in the country. And I don't want to give up, give away too much for you know for privacy reasons, but uh, what he does. But um, we had a good chat actually, and uh, yeah, he's heard the podcast before. Hopefully, he's listening to this because I said to him, "Yeah, we we meant to do one that evening, but I couldn't for obvious reasons." Yeah. And I said, well, "Hopefully, we'll be doing one pretty soon to talk about Snow Leopard." So. Um, I didn't know his name, but uh, I, don't, I hope he's listening anyway. But yeah, so I, I didn't even order it, and I started reading along online that I'm that some people are anticipating a few problems, and I have a few key applications that I really didn't want to have not work if I upgraded. So I decided, and I'm not sure I'm going to stick to this because I'll probably my willpower isn't that strong. I might just wait another week. I'm going to let people like you who have installed it just yep. um, you know what you guys take the risk. And 
have all the fun. So why don't you tell us how the installation process went? Um, typical. It went perfect. <laughs> it, it was just ba- like I, I, I've done. I got two. I I went out and bought the family pack, so I got the five licenses. Oh really? Um, I've got a MacBook Pro which I upgraded. I got a um, Mac Mini which I upgraded now. With the MacBook Pro, which was the first machine, I did that last night. Um, I just basically did a straight over, um, over the top install. Um, so far, I have yet to actually find anything. There was a little bit of a hiccup with crossover, but um, I don't. I think that was probably more that it was trying to um, organise itself. Um, but. The applications that I, I run so far, I haven't had any that have failed. Mind you, I haven't gone through every single one, but um, right. Right. you know, I've gone through Parallels. I've gone, <clears throat> which is actually the um, beta of the fifth edition. How did you get that beta? Because I literally just purchased version four today. Of the upgrade, um, anyway. I got an email. I got an email from Parallels, and they said, "Do you want to be um, part of the public beta?" And so I downloaded it. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I've used ba- uh, Parallels since basically version two. Version two, I bought, so yeah, I've just bought every version ever since, um, and registered every version ever since. And I, I do also have a, a login into the forum, so it may be forum members that they've been um, okay. targeting with it. Huh? Did they give you a download link? Yep. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> Wink, wink. Say no more. Say no more. <laughs> I, I could have blown it, but you know, things say no, no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, so that so you now you said you installed it. You just you did it over the top. That means you did an upgrade, right? Yeah. What option did it give you to do upgrade, or can you do a clean install, or what can you do? Well, you can basically. There, there's no actual physical option to do an erase and install on the version that I've got because it's the upgrade version. Right. The the full blown version there will be the option to do an erase and install. But the um what you can do is just go into disk utility. Right. Um so long as you've got a version of Leopard installed. because right. um, it'll do the check to see whether or not you've got Leopard installed. Um, that being said I have actually read um, things. I think it was Ars Technica that had a thing on there saying that um, you can actually upgrade from Tiger of yeah. all things. Um, so that that may or may not work. Um, but definitely with Leopard, all it does is just check to see that you've got a version of Mac OS X installed. Um, and just go into disk utility on the install disk, do an erase of the disk, and then just carry on from there. Right. So basically, you're not you, the the Snow Leopard DVD contains the entire operating system. You don't. If yep. you want to do an erase and install, you don't need the Leopard or Tiger DVD. And then it's not like Windows. No. No. Okay. That's okay. Because that was. I remember reading in the last few weeks that that was what some people were concerned about. And mm. then someone I was listening to a podcast this afternoon. I think it was the Mac Roundtable podcast, and they said, when you think about it, surely Apple is not going to ship a DVD that only has you know a part operating system on it. I.e., it needs to be married to a, a Leopard or a Tiger installed DVD for it to be a you know fully functioning Snow Leopard uh, install, which makes sense. So you know you're basically here in New Zealand. What are we spending? Sixty dollars, fifty nine dollars for hundred dollars or ninety nine dollars for the five pack. Which yeah. is which? When you think about it, is is pretty an awesome price. That's twenty bucks a copy. Oh yeah, 
you know, yeah. which is even less than um, the thing, but you know, <laughs> yeah. but sixty bucks for for Mac OS ten is just an unbelievable price. It's it's such a good deal. I, I don't see any reason why people would want to hold off. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I absolutely agree. No, that so you were able. So basically, the default. <coughs> option is just that you stick it in and you say go and it just yep. oh, and it, it upgrades your in your 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 existing installation of leopard or tiger yep so i'm just thinking back to when i installed leopard itself you had all kinds of different options and everybody said well you should do a clean install and you should kind of do a complete wipe and you should uh and then reinstall and i've always thought that kind of made didn't make a lot of sense because generally what people would do is they would they would do a wipe. They would install the new operating system, whether it's, in this case, Snow Leopard or Leopard a year ago or whatever it was. And then they would use Migration Assistant to pull stuff over from either a Time Machine or a Super Duper or a Carbon Copy cloner clone. Yep. And then I'm, I'm thinking, well, then doesn't that negate the whole purpose of a, a nuke and pave? Because basically what you've done is you've pulled over any of the detritus that you had on your system to begin with, you've just sucked it back over onto a clean install of the operating system. And that's the operating system files aren't the stuff, that's not the stuff that gets clogged up over use, it's the other applications, and you've just pulled all that stuff over. So I've never really understood why you would do a clean install anyway. Or have I got it really wrong? Um... Yeah, to a certain extent, that probably is the case. Um, I think essentially what it's doing is pulling all your preferences and all that back so that when you run your application, um, but you can get around that. If if it's really gone pear-shaped, all you need to do is basically just delete the preferences and let Windows fix it up again. Windows? Uh, I mean, you know, Mac. (laughs) (coughs) Shut up. (laughs) Um, Love it. Yeah, win- Windows fixes everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hammer style. Um, it, yeah, preferences are one one of those things that you know if if you're doing an erase and install, um, you really it's more to do with the files and all that. Um, you know, if it's corrupted and things like that, you're not actually reimporting plugins and all that necessarily, which are causing the issue. Well, um, you're not. So when you do a migration, use Migration Assistant, and you migrate stuff over, you're not pulling that. Because I thought you, I was under the impression you're basically pulling over everything to do with that particular user, which would include any well, of the well, applications. Well, you are, but yeah. um, a lot of the plugins are installed system-wide, so they're actually sitting in a different play, uh, uh, different okay. part. Right. Um, it may be... Um, a uh, the there may be the odd application that you've decided only you want access to. They're generally preference panes as opposed to yeah. plugins, things like that, because the plugins generally install into library internet plugins. I think it is, or depending on what sort of plugin it is, um, QuickTime or internet plugins. So um, yeah, I, I mean, normally I would do an erase and install. I just wanted to see what happens if I do an uh, an upgrade. Because the reason uh-huh. I well, the reason I ask is that because this the operating system that I'm using right now this is a 50, late 2008 15 inch unibody MacBook Pro and it started life this system as part of or it started out as Tiger on a black MacBook mm-hmm. and then that black MacBook bought, got updated to Leopard and then mm-hmm. that got ported over to this unibody and now it's about to get upgraded to Leopard so I'm starting to think 
that I should probably just do a clean install and spend the day getting it back to where it was. Yeah, it, it, it's probably not a um, a bad idea. Uh, um, mm. I mean, I, I, with my Mac Mini, I did it in a race and install because uh, I've been having a couple of problems that, and we're trying to work out whether or not it's um, related to hardware or software. Oh, really? Um, so I thought, oh, I'll stuff it, we'll just wipe the whole thing and then start a, start from scratch. You can pave. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but this uh, on my MacBook Pro, I, I decided I'll I'll just check it and see how it goes and install it. Um, one of the things that is kind of good about doing the install over the top is QuickTime Seven. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because if you've got um, the Pro license installed, it will automatically select QuickTime Seven as the list of applications to install. Oh, Otherwise, right. it's a manual. Um, you have to tick the box, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah right, right. Um, I haven't actually got to the point of seeing what um, level of support QuickTime Pro has. Uh, uh, sorry, um, a, a clean install has because there's there's no like there's no QuickTime preferences and system preferences anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's no option to go into QuickTime and um, enter in a license or anything like that. So, walk, in other words, if I if I do a clean install, how how much time am I really looking at spending getting me back to where I was before I did the clean install? Like well, that's how, how largely much? dependent on the applications and all that that you had. Because I'm, I, I mean, it's I think I've got like, everything on this machine is probably about two hundred gigs. That's probably what I'm at right about now. So it's not a huge amount. There aren't a, well, actually. I actually have no idea how many apps I have, but I'm pretty diligent about. If I delete an application, I use Pathfinder to kind of look through and find files related to it. I don't, I don't, not sure I trust these applications like AppDelete, which will look for files on its own and say, "Hey, this is part of whatever it is that you're trying to uninstall. You should, you should nuke it, and then you nuke it, and then something else doesn't work." So I look for something. Usually, what I do is if I uninstall, let's say VLC, I'll look for anything with the word VLC in it using mm-hmm. Pathfinder, and then if I find a bunch of preferences and stuff like that, I'll delete it, and I've been fine. So I've been I've been pretty careful over the years in kind of removing stuff that, you know, just doesn't belong. But I'm just kind of, I, I really am concerned that if I do a clean install, like if I do a nuke and pave and put Snow Leopard fresh on this machine, and then I use Migration Assistant, am I actually going to get right back to where I was using Migration Assistant, or... Is there more work that I have to do in terms of configuring the applications that I use, and you know, what about mail? Or is all my mail stuff going to be there? Is it? That's what I kind of worry about. Um, if if you're doing a restore from a um, profile backup, then all your mail and all that will will pull across all the application settings and all that will pull across. You will probably still have to do the manual um, installation of the applications, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, Yeah, it's really... uh, I think it's one of those six of one, half dozen of the other things. If you've got a lot of applications and you can't be bothered reinstalling them, then generally a... Um, over the top install would be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, to be to be honest, I've had absolutely no problems doing that. Um, I think the only one that I sort of really had an issue with was um, 
going from the beta to 10.1, uh, I think there was an issue there well, because so the, years the beta ago. changed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're going back to, you know, the first two editions of Mac OS 10. Yeah, and I have to think that if, if the default option for when you <laughs> slip a Snow Leopard DVD in your drive, if the default option is to just upgrade over top, then surely Apple must be sending a signal that yeah, your average punter doesn't really need to do a nuke and pave to get the optimal performance yeah. out of their machine. Because I always sit here and wonder, okay, had I not done an upgrade to Leopard from Tiger, but had I actually done a clean install of Leopard, would I be seeing a slightly faster machine? And I'm not 100% convinced. But then sometimes I wonder, you know, I really don't know because I have no frame of, I have no control group, you know, from an experimental perspective. I, I don't have a frame of reference for comparing it. But yeah. I would, I've always wondered that would I have a slightly faster machine had I done a nuke and pave? And I'm not convinced that I would. I, in my experience, no. Um, unless, of course, there's some real dodgy plugin that's decided that it's going to yeah. um, basically screw things up. Um, I. Yeah, I, I think, to be honest, just doing an install over the top is more than enough for, yeah. for most people. I don't see any reason why um, it, it's going to um, have any issues or anything like that. So how long did it take for you to upgrade your MacBook Pro? MacBook Pro? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was about an hour. Yeah, that's what I've been reading. It was about an hour to do it. Yeah, I, I mean, Dave, I, as I was saying before, I was reading the Dave Pogue column, and he yeah. said something about it being like 20 minutes. I'm like, what the hell? What's he doing to get there? He probably doesn't have anything installed, that's why. Yeah, he's probably near yeah, fresh install of Leopard, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, mm. But it, it is, um, it's definitely a, a, a painless install, let's put it that way. I so, haven't come across anything that's broken yet. And then the big question is, is it faster? Do you notice a difference? Uh, kind of depends on what you're doing. I think Finder um, is definitely an update. Um, it's, it's cocoa now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah so it is. It is a lot quicker. Um, the, the there's also really cool features in Finder. Um, there's like a slider bar now, which increases the size or decreases the size of the icons. Oh, that's right. I've heard the big icons are actually apparently quite nice. Yeah, and and it's wicked too when you go to a, a movie and you just press play and it starts playing the icon. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it's awesome, man. It, it's so brilliant. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so... And, and you can also see, um, to see all the... Um, uh, what do you call it? Um... Like, if you've got a text document, you can actually start reading the document straight from the icon. Yeah, and that's something that I, I have with Pathfinder. I've got, I've got it set up so that I've got my main kind of Pathfinder window, but off to the right, I've got a shelf that displays a preview of whatever file that I've clicked on. So mm-hmm. I've been using that for uh, well, almost two years now, where you, uh, maybe not that long. You click on a text document, and I can read it, and even a PDF, and I can scroll, and even a movie, it will play. So it sounds as if the Finder is starting to adopt some of those same kind of features. Mm. Yeah, and it, it's really, um, really working quite well. I'm, oh. I'm quite impressed with some of the features. It, there is definitely a, a noticeable um, uh, speed increase in, in some of the features. Like, um, 
One of the speed increases I've noticed was with QuickTime X. Um, when you're converting video, it used to take five hours to do a movie um, from AVI. So, so you're basically not reading off a disc or anything. It's just reading off a hard drive. Uh, it used to take five hours. It now took um, just over two. Wow. So um, that that whole um, uh, change to QuickTime, um, QuickTime 10, well, it's, I say QuickTime X because it's not really 10. It's actually, yeah. you know, I suppose, version 8. Yeah, right. um, that, that whole change to, to QuickTime is just, A, it looks beautiful, and B, it's just so much quicker, although they have actually called it version 10. Have Interesting. Really? Oh, yeah. Really? Okay. Um, yeah, so you, you open up the movie, and it um, uh, gives you that, that sort of nice um, window that you had with... Uh, uh, which one? Uh, what do you call it? The um, iTunes. Oh yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Um, well, actually, that's technically not true. With iTunes, um, you had like if you went into full screen, you had the floating toolbar. Right. This is, I suppose, it's kind of a window that's reminiscent of the editing window of Pixelmator. It's like black toolbar, um, uh, black background, uh, and then you've got the floating toolbar yeah. on top of that, a la iTunes. Um, so that oh, looks... I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It looks really, really nice. It's... it's I, I think it's a beautiful looking um, thing. You know, there, there's, you can't see the title bar. It's merged in with the black background. I like that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It, i tell it, you what I'm looking forward to, and this, this drives me nuts because I'm using just a 15-inch screen, and... Generally, I have most of my windows maximized. Like, I don't have, um, you know, smaller windows in most applications. So, if I've got an email message and I want to, um, I don't know, that's kind of a bad example because I've found a recent shortcut to that. But if I want to move something somewhere, I've got to kind of reposition my windows and then kind of drag it. And if, you know, if I have to do any drag and drop operations, I've got to basically move some windows around. And then I can do the drag and drop. So oh, yeah, with okay. this one, yeah, now what you can do is with with, S, with Snow Leopard, you can uh, grab the file, pull it down to the dock where the application which you want to drag it to is open. You hold it over that application icon for a second or two, and then something pops up showing all the available windows of the application that you want to drag it to. You drag it. You basically continue holding your left mouse button down and pull that file that you're holding, so to speak, to the window and then boom, it drags it there. And I'm thinking that's fantastic for you know if for those of us who don't have two 24 inch cinema displays, who yep. are basically real estate challenged as I call it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, no, um, there, there's a lot of Apple's really put a lot of thought into the back end of of um, Mac OS X. Um, you know, I mean, apparently there's like a thousand. Um, uh, what do you call it, 1,000 features, new features. And most of those, probably 90% of those are actually um, behind the scenes. So stuff that, you know, I mean, if, you, if you're if you going in there trying to search through every sort of window and nook and cranny and all that to try and find glaring changes, you, you'd probably be um, quite disappointed because a lot of that stuff is hidden from view. Um, but if you were developing, then, yeah, you'll... you'll um, see a um, new 
you know, new bits and pieces, especially probably with frameworks and things like that. But well, yeah, and that's, let's talk about the applications because, as I mentioned at the beginning, one of the reasons I'm kind of holding off is that not every single application that I use um, is supported in Snow Leopard, although it's seeming like that's changing almost literally on a daily basis, if not every 12 hours there seems to be. In fact, one of the ones that I use quite a bit has just been confirmed that it will work. Now, there's one resource, I don't know if you've heard of this, but if you go to snowleopard.wiki.com, and that's I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, so it's snowleopard.wikidot.com. That is kind of a running list of um, applications that have issues and ones that actually work, and it's uh, you can contribute to it. It used to be that anybody could, but now you have to have a an account with Wikidot um, to be able to do it. But uh-huh. it's massive because I've heard it mentioned on almost every podcast that I listen to, and it's got every single application on it. Have you seen this site? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I had a quick look at it a couple of days ago. I'm actually just on there now. Yeah. Um, and, it, yeah, a lot of it is sort of it's generally older stuff that especially this um lemon adobe and microsoft stuff because adobe and microsoft don't listen to apple and and decided that they're going to do everything their way instead of um listen to apple and say if you build with cocoa and things like that you'll be sorted yeah um a lot of those applications basically probably will fail and it 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 really is dependent on the the developer. If if an application um, fails, it's generally because the developer's done something that isn't by the book. Right. Um, and that, but that's just software one hundred and one. Um, you know, on any platform, the same thing happens with Windows. A lot of the reasons Windows applications crash is because of the fact that um, developers haven't really. Um, uh, followed the, followed the book, um, right. and you know, mind you, there's not really a lot of documentation that um, Microsoft has done. Apple sort of documents every little nook and cranny sort of thing for developers, but yeah, um, you know, a lot of it is just the fact that um, people have written hacks to try and do something which the system can do anyway. It's just that they don't want to learn the the correct way of doing it. <clears throat> Yeah, and there's, there seems to be quite a few um, – well, actually, no, let me rephrase that. There, there are few apps that outright have a, have a no next to their name on, these, on this list. And I guarantee anybody, mm. anybody who's listening to this is probably not looking at the exact same list that I am or we are because, it, like I say, this is changing hourly. I mean, Super yeah. Duper 2.6 <clears throat> was released overnight here in New Zealand. So, I mean, that – that alone, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the developers on top of it, and you know, I'm just looking through Hazel. If anybody uses Hazel, that that uh, kind of automator kind of folder action, that's compatible. So a lot of these little ones um, are already compatible, or they've been updated within the past um, few hours, even. And the one, mm-hmm. that, the one that's still not updated that I'm not happy about is iStat menus, which I use in my menu bar to kind of show hard drive activity and you know, the date and calendar and all that. And that's, and, and one's, I'm just reading, it says here, it works okay with settings set under 10.5, prefs not accessible, an update will be released very soon with new features and Snow Leopard compatibility. So because this is a wiki, it's getting updated all the time. You almost have to yep. refresh it every hour yeah. and then do another search for your application. Yeah, no, it's, I think that's always going to be the case. I mean, it happened with Leopard 
Although there was a, a bigger bigger issue with Leopard um, in the sense that Leopard changed things quite dramatically from uh, 10.4. Um, the the thing with Snow Leopard is there shouldn't really be a huge um, issue uh, because of the fact that really they're not changing much in the sense of how the frameworks work. They're just, right. um, what are you calling it? Tweaking um, it. Yeah, exactly. It's a tweak. Some of those tweaks will cause um, applications to fail, but that's largely down to the fact that um, you know people tend to have a lot of developers kind of want to do this whole um, uh, use undocumented features, yeah, sort of thing, and. You know, they they find a feature. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll use that. that. That'll be cool. And then Apple decides, oh no, we'll change that, and that breaks the application. You know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so a, a lot of it, developers have have bought it on themselves. Um, well, it's interesting because there's two here that that I I have used quite a bit. One is called Mail Attachments Iconizer, which which basically is a mail Mac Mail kind of plugin that. Um, what is it? Well, what does it do? It, it it basically it shows you the entire. What I like about it is it shows you the entire file name of the attachment that someone's just sent you, rather than just you know the first seven or eight characters and then dot 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 and then the and then the um, the extension. Um, and then it also allows you to kind of instead of viewing PDFs, for example, that are in your uh, mail message, it just shows it as a as an icon that you can kind of use Quick Look to have a look at. So rather than looking at the PDF itself, so I use that quite a bit. And uh, I literally at midday today, so six hours ago, seven hours ago, uh, according to this list and according to the website, um, nothing was happening. But now I just had a look and it says that update is underway. And I went to the website, which is lokiware.info, L-O-K-I-W-A-R-E.info. And it says, um, yeah, mail attachment iconizer will be updated to work with Snow Leopard in the coming days. I'm working on it right now. So this is right from the developer. Mm. And the other one is mail tags, which I use, but I'm thinking I may not be using anymore because I can live without it, really. And it says here that they're working on it. It should be released next week. So that's that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I I think one of the problems, though, I... I think if developers were serious, like if they're large corporations and things like this, I I think if they were seriously developing applications, they would have signed up for the developer program, which means that they get themselves a free copy of the the release version. Yes, okay, over the time, things are going to change, and um, the release version of uh, Mac OS X is probably going to be different from the one that they're working on. Um, So you you probably have a, a couple issues there, but... Generally, by the time Apple's got um, the the releases out there to the developers, things are pretty much stable, and it's it's more down to bug fixing and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, um, you, uh, the developers get the opportunity to test their applications under the new version and work in with Apple to make their version work. Um, so you get a lot of developers where I think they haven't taken up that opportunity and so now they're playing catch up to try and get things to work right. which I, I think is the wrong way to do it if you really want to get your, uh, of course on having said that I'm, I'm talking from someone who doesn't um, uh, who, who doesn't really do any programming so no, right. you know there, there may be more to it than that but um, from a layman's perspective that's kind of what seems to be happening yeah. you know, for the sake of 99 bucks US a, a year they've chosen not to go for that but um, 
Mm. But yeah, I think most of the applications, they've been written pretty well in the first place. So going to the new version of uh, Mac OS X hasn't really affected, um, you know, because there's, there's only a handful of applications that are saying not working, not working. And yeah. we're talking about applications that, you know, probably aren't that widely used anyway. And they'll be updated probably fairly soon because no developer who has a, a, a fairly wide install base is going to want to let their application not work under Snow Leopard. So Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the like looking at Microsoft Office 2008, one user reports that every app is terribly slow to start and lags afterwards. It's unacceptably slow. Yeah. But then they say supposedly much better with SP1. So obviously they hadn't updated their version of Office, <laughs> right. which is now up to, what is it, 12.1.2. Two or something like that. Yeah, I think it's a twelve. I think it might even have a service pack two in there, wouldn't it? Uh, mm. I can't remember, but yeah, it's it's high. It's pretty high up there. There's no question mm. about that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but you look through the list, and most of them got OKs. There's a twelve point two point one. Yeah, twelve point two point one is what it's at right now. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's now you know two versions in. Yeah. Sort of thing. So. Um, yeah, there's oh, MySQL Workbench. Gen- generally, it, it's stuff that's probably, you know... I'm seeing a lot of green ticks on this list. I'm, a lot yeah. of green ticks. There's a lot of unknowns, but that just basically comes down to people who yeah. haven't upgraded yet using the applications, you know. So, um, I mean, I'm looking through a lot, a lot of these. Like, I knew Norton wasn't going to work oh, or possibly not work because these are system-level hacks. Yeah. You know, that's essentially what a virus checker is. It's a hack uh, into the system to basically monitor stuff that, in reality, when you think about it, the virus checker on Mac OS X is actually a security threat in its own right. Yeah, right. Uh, so you run Norton? Do you run Norton on your machine? I, I don't run any virus checker. I was going to say, yeah, neither do I, yeah. Um, I, I just, to be honest, I don't see the point. It's I do run one password, and this. Oh yeah, I do. We, that. I remember we. I think that was kind of um, that was what that was our pick, and we had a uh, the developer actually gave us a little bit of a promo a few episodes ago, actually a few months ago. But um, basically, what's happening with that is if you're running two dot x, um, it'll work in every browser except for Safari. But the the developer has actually got a post on their blog explaining, well, this is how you can actually make it work on Safari. But what they've actually mm. done is they've said if you attempt to, if you, if, you, if you install Snow Leopard and you attempt to run 2.x of one password, what it'll do is it'll say, hang on a sec, um, why don't you just participate in the public beta? So version 3.0 uh, mm. beta is now available to everybody publicly. Yep. And the only way you can get it is by installing Snow Leopard and saying, you know, hey, run one password. And it'll say, well, why don't you just get the beta for three? You'll have it. It'll run in 64-bit. And Bob's your uncle. Yeah, yeah. No, I I did that. Um, basically, I ran one password. It, it said the same thing you yep. need. Well, it, it actually didn't give you a choice. It says you need to get the beta. Oh, really? Uh, um, which is a good thing, you know. Um, yes, it is beta software, but actually, to be honest, the new one password is actually pretty sweet looking there. Yeah. Um, oh, is it really? Kind of, oh, yeah. It's like um, applications will start pulling down. Um, uh, oh, keys. Yeah, license keys. That's right. It does license keys now, doesn't it? It'll hold on to license keys? Oh, it does it anyway. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, oh, yeah, but, does, but not in a specific cat. Is there a specific category for license keys now or no? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's called software. It's not under wallet. Um, uh, nice. It's, it's under software. But the cool thing, too, is like it'll go through and just check out all the apps and then just um, 
pull down icons off the net, kind of like um, <sighs> iTunes. <laughs> really? Yeah, kind kind of like pulling down album artwork. So it looks pretty cool. They're you know? good Canadian boys, those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I guess there's no point. There's no if if anyone's because normally I remember what you say you never ever ever install a dot uh, an X dot O release a dot zero release you just don't do it so this one is probably okay to you know if you want to install ten dot six which is this is dot ten dot six dot zero you're mm. okay to do it you don't have to wait for ten dot six dot one well, you know. I I've I've basically gotten every new version of um, Mac OS ten right from the word go and mm. I have had a grand total of zero problems. Um it's really generally the people that say, Oh, I don't ever go ten uh, you know, the ten point oh release or whatever. Um the ones that are saying that are the ones that are probably running dodgy hacks, you know, like the one that caused all the blue screens. <laughs> um it was it was a hack into the system to to get it to do something that it wasn't designed to do. You know, and, and so Apple releases it thinking, you know, everyone's playing the game. Uh, well, in fact, even, even Apple doesn't even have to um, really think about uh, people, ha- um, you know, creating hacks. If they want to create a hack, then that's fine, but they take um, the consequences of, of their actions, you know. They can't, Apple can't be blamed when they're using undocumented features. True. Um, I mean, that's the reason why... Um, uh, Apple t- tells you when you're developing an iPhone app, just use the documented features, you know, because they came out and said if we update it, we could break your application if yeah. you're using the undocumented stuff. And and that's what's happened in a number of iPhone apps. So it, it's the same thing with uh, Mac OS X. Yeah. So anything else that struck your eye about Snow Leopard? Yes, there is a feature that I've been wanting for, uh, for like forever, uh, and it's finally in. It's called Scanner Sharing. So, scanner sharing? Yep. If you have a scanner connected yep. up to a machine, you can actually scan that, uh, share that scanner on the network oh. and scan to your machine. Really? Yep. When, and it works beautifully. So wh- when would you use that? Because if you have to get up and put something on the scanner, you might as well just use the computer that it's attached to. So why would you... Um, well... <sighs> Yes, that is to a certain extent true. But if you've got a scanner with a sheet feeder, oh, I see. Okay, um, it makes sense that you know all you do is just whack in all the sheets and then just go to your um, uh, go back to your desk and just go import scan and then bang, 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 bang. Um, you've got all the uh, all yeah. the stuff there. So it's just like printer sharing, but now it's scanner sharing. Yep. Oh, I didn't know that was in there. Huh. Uh, no, that, that's just basically a new new thing. Um, so it's definitely, yeah. definitely not been in, in 10.5. Um, well, that's kind of neat. Uh, so that, that's a feature that I've been really wanting. Oh, um, Stacks has changed. I don't even use Stacks. You know that? I don't even use it. I use it all the time, actually. Really? For navigation? Uh, uh, well, yeah. Well, I've been basically since... Uh, what one was it? Was it 10.5.7 or something? When they introduced List... Which basically took it back to um, how. Um, oh yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, which version was it? Mac OS Nine that did that, where you could have a folder and then you could traverse the folder. I'm not no, sure. sorry, it was before Leopard. It was ten point four that had it, um, and yeah, ten ten point five they ditched it when they went to stacks. Yeah. And then people complained, and then I think it was about ten point five points. 
six or seven um, when they introduced it um, back, so that stack's actually traversed the folders. But huh. now, um, when you have turned on um, uh, or even grid array and, and um, you know, that way, you can actually go into folders. Oh, really? oh yeah, I've seen that on the video. Yeah, I've seen that on the video. Yeah. Or some video, anyway. Yeah, so um, that's actually a really cool feature. It makes things a lot nicer. It just basically changes the um, the stack window to whatever it is that you're, you've gone into sort of thing. I'll still probably end up using LaunchBar. LaunchBar was just updated today. <laughs> One of those other apps that have just been updated today. And yep. I, I use that to navigate all my folders because it's entirely keyboard-based. I don't have to use my mouse to go to stacks and then hold it and all that and hold the mouse button down to navigate. Well, you don't it. have to do that anyway. Oh, you don't? Okay. Uh, I, just, I, I don't mean, like using my mouse. Thing. Um, yeah. You just click on it. It just locks the thing, and then you can just scroll up and down and go through the folders as you see fit. It's been that way since um, since they changed it to lists. But right. it looks nicer um, because you have that um, uh, that kind of you know how Growl has that transparent or translucent window oh, yeah. with messages on it. Well, that's basically what Stacks looks like now. Oh, okay. Um, and and that's that. including the folder look, um, the list view. Um, so it's got that nice um, sort of grey transparent look. So um, that's that's quite nice. Um, that's that's a really nice feature. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of actually difficult to say. It's not like going from ten point four to ten point five and saying, you know, this feature is different, this feature is different, <laughs> blah blah blah. It, it's there's there's a lot that's actually. Um, Changed, you know. There's a thousand new features in, in Snow Leopard under the hood, and it's all under the hood. Yeah. You know, I haven't yet had a chance to um, go into um, Exchange. I can't do that until I get get to work. Um, so which... you're going to use that's interesting because I thought about whether I would even use it, and one of the reasons I'm thinking I won't use it is that I don't want my address book populated with everybody at the University of Otago. Well, you won't. Oh, okay. That that doesn't happen. Oh, it doesn't. I thought it did no. automatically. Nope. No, it doesn't populate your address book. E- even even currently, it doesn't populate your address book. Oh. Um, it has a, a directory address that um, hooks into the network, and and so basically, when you're on the network, it'll pull down the addresses from there, but it won't install the addresses onto. Um, oh, okay. Oh, well, maybe. Hmm. Maybe that is something I'll look into then. Hmm. Because, I mean, for me, the big thing at work, our email server is, is um, Exchange. But Entourage is a big steaming pile of turds. It's a horrible application. <laughs> I mean, Microsoft just truly doesn't think about any platform other than Windows. It's, well, you heard what's coming next year at the end of next year is it'll actually be Outlook for Mac. Yeah, but whoop de doo <laughs> <laughs> because because in that one year it's going to take them to release um, Office 2010. Yeah. <laughs> We'd have been using um, Mac, Apple Mac Mail. Mail. Yeah, Apple Mail. And so there'd be no real reason. I mean, the only reason I want to get um, Office in the first place was to be able to hook into um, the server with Exchange uh, with Entourage. But Entourage uses Webmail, which is stupid because Webmail at work is blocked by the proxy. Uh-huh. So I can't use Entourage anyway when I'm at work. Works perfectly fine when I'm going through the wireless yeah. um, because I'm not going through the proxy. But as soon as you go on the network, that's it. 
Um, it's all stuffed. You, I'll you have can't... To, um, I guess I'll have to look really closely at what I'm going to get on going on the exchange because, quite frankly, I, I get all my email through IMAP anyway, so it's an IMAP account. And I've been off the exchange ever since I moved to Mac, whenever it was, the end of 2006. So, And I've had no problems. I mean, I haven't felt like you know I'm, I'm lacking because I'm not on the exchange at work. So mm-hmm. I'm not even sure I need it, to be honest. I mean, I know it's kind of a good inroad for you know, small business or even large businesses. Now you have no real excuse not to have Mac in the enterprise and all that good stuff. But, you know, really and truly, you cannot be hardwired into the enterprise and function just fine. So, I, and I, it's, uh, I've found that it's perfectly adequate without yeah. even being on the exchange. So I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm missing something and that quite often is the case, <laughs> is the case. But I just don't see it. I just don't see how I would. Well, the the good thing about having proper Mac integration with um, Exchange is when someone sends you an appointment or a task or something like that, that now goes into iCal. See, I hate that. I hate it when I when I used to use Outlook when I was on Windows. I want to have control over my count. In fact, my pick, which I'll talk about later. Um, I want control over my calendar. I don't want to be able to open up an email or even just receive an email that has an ICS file in it that suddenly goes, oh, okay, well, let's just put that in his calendar. But no, it no, doesn't. No. It no. asks you to accept it and all that. If you Because ex- the way Exchange works, if they send you an email and, and it's got a well, yeah, an appointment, yeah. you've got that accept, decline, reject, or whatever. Oh. So once you go accept, it writes it into the calendar. Now, as soon as it goes into the calendar iCal will synchronize with um, with the thing. You, you know, it's. Oh. I, I I prefer it that way because then you don't have to do anything. You you know you don't have to create a, a calendar. So it doesn't do it automatically to, then. Um, well, it only does it when you go accept. You, oh, this is this is a clear example. I just don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I guess, I guess what I'm thinking is that I don't – because before I accept it, I've got to go to my calendar. I've got to look and see if I'm free. And basically what I can do now is that um, if somebody sends me – actually, I'll tell you what I do use for setting up meetings. Normally, it's if it's a meeting just between me and somebody else, they'll send me an email. Uh, Dave, can you meet at 10 o'clock on Tuesday? I'll go to my calendar. I'll look and say, yep, that's fine. I'll respond saying, yes, I can I can meet on Tuesday. And I've got two mm. ways of filling that appointment in. I can either use mail tags, I think it's called. Yeah, mail tags. And that'll give me kind of within the email message itself, like there's a little shelf that kind of slides out on the right-hand side, and I can create a new event. Or I can just go to Launch Bar. I can activate Launch Bar using, on my machine anyway, Command Space. And then there's a bit of a syntax that you kind of type out saying, you know, um, uh, meet you know just say meet Darren um, at uh, 29 August 10 a.m. and hit enter and then it populates my iCal that way so I don't have to accept anything. I often get people emailing things saying you know these little ICS files and I'll say yeah, I'll just respond saying yeah that's fine or no that doesn't work for me. So I guess I'm manually doing something that could be automated if I went on the exchange. So I yeah, see well, that. Yeah, that see that's that. the thing with the the exchange is is. Because you've got integration with your calendar, yeah. people can actually see whether or not you're free because it works both ways. If you put an appointment into iCal… See, I don't want that either. <laughs> I don't well, want anybody to see when I'm free. I don't want my calendar. So they can actually see my calendar and see if I'm… On the exchange side of it, yeah. Really? So they won't be able to see your personal. Oh. They'll, oh. they'll just see… They'll see the 
I haven't actually seen exactly how it's, it's going to work, but I assume there's going to be a separate calendar yep. um, on an iCal for Outlook or Exchange, uh. so that they'll only see what's in your Exchange calendar. Right. So they they can say, well, he's free, sort of thing. But iCal itself will actually. Um, it should look through all of the appointments that you've got in your calendar on that day across the board. Right. And say, well, actually, there's a conflict. Do you want to do this, that, and the other? But they won't see the conflict if it's a personal But they'll thing. see the times that I'm free and the times that I'm not free. Because that... Uh, that oh, only, no. only on the exchange side. Whatever, whatever appointments in your exchange calendar, yes, yeah, that they'll thing. see, but they won't be able to see anything else. I yeah, I don't know. That doesn't sound like I'd be terribly keen on. <laughs> I'm just you know I'm getting grumpy as I get older. <laughs> I'm just getting what is it jaded? That's it jaded. That's the word. I don't know. I just I don't want to. I don't want. Uh, you know what I do use if I have to meet with more than two people. I um, I use a service called WhenIsGood.net. I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever. Used, it's just amazing. You basically you go in. It's totally free. You just select the dates and the times that you're free, and then you send a specific URL to all those people, and you say, right, you lot, here are all, here's like a bunch of days over the next two, three weeks or whatever. Uh, everybody click the days that they're free, and then eventually once everybody does it, then you can go in and see when everybody's free, and then you can set that time for a meeting and email them and say, right, let's go. We're meeting that day. It's yeah. brilliant. I, I use it all the time, and uh, it's just a brilliant little service, and to me, uh, that way, they, they, well, they do see when you're free, but they actually that's true. They do see when you're kind of free. But it's what I usually say is that you know here are the times that I can I can be available. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of interesting. So exchange support. Mm. I, I mean, for me, that, that's a big thing because we um, uh, we use Exchange at work all the time, and and you yeah. know I we even our scanner our our copier um it sends emails um of stuff that we scan so yeah um, we've got that too and that just sends mm. an email right to right to your email address yeah so, so it'll be that. nice to not have to go into webmail just to download a file that that thing because webmail's a, a pain in the butt because um the way that microsoft does theirs is um you know that typical microsoft way of it work it looks nice and pretty and and has more functions if you're using internet explorer but oh, any other browser it's yeah. it, you just get a bog standard thing and that's it, you know, whereas, um, yeah, we don't have that problem at all. We just, I scan something on our, I, I throw a couple of pieces of paper in our scanner or it's a big printer actually that functions as a scanner as well. Throw it in and say, email it to me. And then, it, you know, by the time I get back to my office, it's in my inbox on my IMAP account. So it's works fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, don't, I don't have a problem. It's actually one of the best things that we've ever done. It's been around for a couple of years now. And, um, for us anyway, and it's, it's actually fantastic because, I'm almost entirely paperless. I don't. I don't like anything on paper. At almost to the point where even student assessments, a lot of them, um, if it's a small enough class, it's just no. You're emailing it to me. You're not printing it out. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's just excellent. Well, that, that's the problem. I've been trying to get the guys at work to do that. You know, because they they do a report from the call system. They they print it out. Yeah. They drop it on my desk. Well, 
Why? Why not? You've got a perfectly good email system yeah. from the system itself, the call system itself. It has a feature to to email the thing, you yeah. know, print it off and, and send it off. It's a PDF document anyway, so you're printing out a PDF document so that I can go over to the scanner, scan it, and to make it a PDF document. That's right. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's just ludicrous. All, all you need to do is just send an email. Yeah. And, and the good thing, too, is with the iPhone, um, I get the email, and I can read the PDF directly on the iPhone. So, you know, they can flick me jobs, and I don't have to wait until I get back to my desk yeah. to get all that information. Yeah. You know, and it's just, the the problem is, is you just can't tell anyone. You know, pe- people on Windows, they just, they like to print things out. <laughs> Mainly because it's kind of depressing looking at a Windows screen all day. <laughs> That's right. You've solved it. You've solved why Windows sucks because it's yeah. depressing looking at a Windows screen all day. Well, it's certainly depressing when you're looking at them and, um, Windows 2000 and all that with the grey screens and all that. Oh, Windows 2000 was about – we're getting way off topic. But Windows 2000 was probably the most stable Windows operating system um, in the past decade. I mean, mm. maybe Windows 7 will be better. It remains to be seen. But, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, yes and no. I, I actually prefer XP. I think XP was, was yeah. the nice, nice – That's what happy. I'm running on my on, – through Parallels. That's what I'm running. So. Mm. Oh, actually, that, that just reminded me. Boot Camp. Boot Camp's got this wicked feature that has been a long time coming. Oh. Um, the updated Boot Camp drivers – Includes the ability to actually see the Macintosh partitions. Oh, from within Windows. From within Windows or whatever. Okay, really. So, so now, like you'll see uh, your Macintosh HD show up as drive. Well, in my case, it showed up as Drive F. Um, so basically, you can get files without having to boot into Mac OS Ten to get the file off there, so that you can boot back into Windows. Because right. you know, um, so that that is it. That's kind of sexy. It is. It's a very handy feature. Um, I don't know if it's something they've programmed or if they've bought out, because um, I know there's a, a company that actually um, does software for that. I forget what it's called, but right. um, that that yeah, they they've. Um, uh, I, I don't. I, I think Mark's, uh, Apple probably would have worked in with Microsoft to actually make it a file system. Um, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, so something had to happen behind the scenes. You're saying. Yeah, but yeah. what would have been cool would have been if um, I, I don't think they've worked in with Microsoft to do. So that's in the new boot camp yeah. drivers. And so when you install it, when you install Snow Leopard, you get that automatically. Yeah, you, doesn't you still your... have to boot into right. to Windows and yeah, then sure. run the Boot Camp um, right. installer. Well, that sounds pretty good. Um, so that that's a you know if if you have to go into the Devil's Advocate, um, yeah, you you do have that ability to um, uh, you know at least not have to flick back and forth just to get a file that's sitting on your thing that you need to eat it in Windows and flick off sort of thing. That will be um, handy, actually, I have to admit. Although I, my, the reason I went to Parallels 4 today is because I'm anticipating that I'll be using Windows a little bit more over the next few years, but um, for a variety of reasons. So I think, well, that I mean, yeah, that, that still is quite of a nice feature. It really is. Mm. Yeah. See, see that whole... Um, uh, Exchange support and mail. I use Apple Mail all the time. I I, yeah, I think it's quite a nice, you know, it's uncluttered. It's just a nice, handy um, yeah. thing. But the 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 it, it's it's now got to the point where 
there's only one application that I need Windows installed on my machine for. Huh. And that's Internet Explorer, so we can get into our stupid call system, which is a big pain in the bum. <laughs> um, and, and the, you know, for me to have that ability to um, uh, ditch Internet Explorer and, and even ditch Parallels, um, yeah. as good as Parallels is, I would much rather not have the need for Parallels. I know you know? what you mean. Yeah, I know what, exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, because I have an, a win, another Windows application, which theoretically I need Windows for, but I get around that using Crossover. Yeah, okay. Um, so I'm actually running the Windows application without Windows, and I would use that um, to to do IE7 if I could get away with it. Yeah, right. You know, but at the moment I have to have Windows specifically for the fact that I can run Internet Explorer 7 so that I can a- access the cool system which has been poorly written in the first place. <laughs> Stupid Aussies don't know how to write software. <laughs> We're going to get emails that's loaded Wookiee at... <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, we're at it. Ha, ha, you lost the Bleeders Low Cup. <laughs> Got to rub it in. Come oh, on. And, uh, was it the ashes and all that? Although I have yeah, to say... So that was a bad low. weekend for Australia last week. Yeah, weekend. but on, on having said that, though, the Bleeders Low Cup wasn't a win. It was one point. Whoop de oh, okay. <laughs> So let's do picks. What have you got for this week? For this episode. Um, pick, 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 pick. All you do is pick. Oh, sorry. That's actually a very good question. I suppose my first pick is Snow Leopard, but we've just... First pick? Oh, okay. You can't pick Snow Leopard when we've just been spending the last hour talking about it. I know. Um, actually, to be honest, I haven't really had a... Uh, I've got a great one. And it's... What's that? Because it, it it goes because I've had some interactions with a developer on it too regarding a, re- a very weird issue. But um, it, this the way because we were talking about syncing and we're talking about iCal. What I've done for the longest time is I use um, because I'm a prophet at Otago. Most people know that by now. But so we have to have office hours and um, generally students email and they find other ways of communicating with you and all that. But the university generally expects us to have, you know, a set amount of time a week where students can do the drop-in. They don't, but, you know, they like to have us have, you know, be in our offices just in case a student needs to come and see us, which is totally fine. Um, so what I do is I set those office hours, but because, you know, I'm, I'm dragged 18 different ways on an average week, often I have to change those office hours. And I, you know, I don't do it like the day of, but I might, a, a week or two in advance, I might have to shift those office hours you know, just by an hour or two, one one way or another. So instead of twelve to two, I might be there from one to three, for example. Yeah. And, and what I do is I tell students in my classes what you do is you go to my website, and then you click on the link where it says contact or contact slash office hours. And what I've done is that I use Google Calendar to uh, basically show when I'm going to be in my office. And then with Google Calendar, calendar you can actually embed that calendar in a, in a website, which is exactly what I do. And then what I do is I use iCal um, to have a separate calendar just called office hours so that I update, you know, if I'm sitting at my desk and I have to shift my office hours, I I go into the specific office hours calendar within iCal, you know, shift the office hours. And then instantly what happens is I use a program or application called BusySync. And BusySync will sync your iCal with your Google Calendar. And as soon as you change it in iCal, BusySync says, oh, there's a change. Hang on a second. It starts syncing it up with your Google Cal. And then immediately on my website, students will see that I've got, you know, it's the most up-to-date time of when I'm going to be in my office. Yep. So this works really well. And it actually works with, you know, another way of doing it is that, 
with the iPhone, and because if you have a mobile me account, you obviously any change you make in your iCal will get synced over over the air using mobile me, and it'll appear in your iCal, and all that's really cool. So I can be anywhere in the world, really, and if I have an internet connection on my iPhone, I can change it on I, on my calendar on my iPhone. That'll sync back through mobile me to my iCal. And then iCal will sync using BusySync to my Google Calendar, and then students can see that you know if I'm in Wellington and I you know I might not be able to make my office hours for 12 the next day, I might be there at 12:30. Then they can see that. Yep. So anyway, this is the long way of saying that um, what was introduced, I think it was Macworld this year, is the kind of successor to BusySync, and that's called BusyCal, and it's basically an iCal replacement. And what they bill it as is that, you know, it's kind of what iCal would have been or iCal should have been or something. Or it's actually maybe they don't bill it as that. But a lot of people do say, you know, this is a pretty sweet application. I didn't install it at first, but I, I recently installed it about a week or two ago. And it's pretty slick. And it gives you a lot of different kinds of controls over how you can view and navigate through you know, your week views and your month views, there's all kinds of different ways you can tweak it and, you know, whether you scroll a week at a time or a month at a time, for example. And it's really sweet. And you can put the weather on certain days and you can have sticky notes on your particular days, that kind of thing. It really is kind of like a super enhanced version of iCal. And I played with it for about a day or so, and it it, it replaces BusySync, so it syncs with your Google Calendar. It'll also sync calendars over the LAN if other people are running the application and so on and so forth. And it's just a really nice application. The, what was really interesting is that when whenever, whenever I'm in the office at work, for some reason, every once in a while, and there's no pattern that I can tell just yet, um, I get a notice that pops up and says, hey, your license is only good for one computer. Someone else is running this license, and uh, here's their IP address and the name of the computer. And I look at it, what the heck? And it's I try to look up the person's name on our contact list for the university, and they don't exist. So I'm kind of scratching my head saying, I don't know what this is. So I ignored it the first time, and then it came up again a couple of days later. And I finally thought, well, I better email the developer because it's, it's still in beta, BusyCal. Mm -hmm. It's still in beta. So I emailed the developer and I said, look, not for nothing, but this is what I'm seeing. You know, I don't know if it's an issue, but, you know, here it is. Hope it helps. You know, have a great day. Love the product. And they said, well, basically you have to go to that. And they responded saying, basically, you have to go to that person and say, uh, look, you're probably running BusySync, right? And Because they probably won't be running BusyCal. They might, but they're probably running BusySync. And you have to upgrade it because you're using an old version and it's got some kind of uh, clash with the license codes. And because they're on the same network, that's why BusyCal is saying, whoa, 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 something's wrong. Yeah. And I said, well, I, I replied saying, well, I don't know who this person is. And it's, you know, we're an organization of several thousand people with several hundred Macs, I'm assuming. And, you know, I'm not really sure what to do. And the guy, his name is John, so he's, and he's probably listening to this. Um, um, or I'm going to tell him to anyway. Uh, he responded. He's, he responds really quickly on Sundays, as a matter of fact. And and he said, "Well, look, you know, I'm really sorry. I don't know what to tell you. I, I we can't really fix that. Do you want a refund?" And I went, "No, because I, <laughs> I love the software because it's amazing. It's a nice little application. It totally has replaced my iCal." And I said, "No, but you know, you know, I'm, I'm, let's just see if we can work and fix it." So we're trying a, a few different things right now. I'm going to work with our ITS guys and see if we can kind of resolve it. And then he's kind of given me a few suggestions. Very, very helpful guy, I have to say. And yeah. that, to me, 
you know, even though it's a bit of a problem, and it's not a major problem with the software, but it just goes to show you that a lot of these small developers really have the user's best interest at heart, and they're, they're mm. this guy's quick to resolve it. You know, John, he's always there. He's in, you know, what can I do to help you? Do, you? do you want your money back? Absolutely not. I want to support you guys. So if you go to busymac.com, um, you can see what it's all about, and it's uh, it's a pretty nice little application. I, I highly recommend it. Oh, you're going to ask me how much it is, and I don't know how much it is, so let me just type in busymac.com. And, of course, because I'm under pressure, I can't type. It's all your fault, Darren. <laughs> busymac.com, or bu- sorry, busycal. 40 bucks per computer. There it is, for $40 per US. US. Yep. Public beta. Think of it as iCalPro. Yeah, they do brand it as that. Highly worth it. That's my pick. Your turn. Uh, my turn, my turn, my turn, my turn. Well, actually, I did a review of this application. Well, it's not so much an application. It's a plug-in into Final Cut Express. Um, there, there's a company called Boris, and Boris? they they do uh, uh, Boris FX, sorry, is, is the company. Um, they do FX plugins for Final Cut Pro and uh, well, Final Cut Express and and, and all that, uh, Adobe Premiere and um, and all those sorts of things. And the the application itself is um, oh sorry, the 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 effects themselves um, uh, are really quite amazing. Um, the the one that I was looking for, um, it sort of came up. Um, I was looking on NZ Mac and the RSS feeds that Phil's got at the bottom of the screen, and there was a um, there was one for um, a plugin called Cartoon Look, and, and what it does is it basically turns your video frames into um, uh, a cartoon-looking um, <laughs> oh, really? thing. Yeah, kind of, basically, if you've seen the movie Skinner Darkly, you'll understand what I'm, I'm getting at. It basically <laughs> it's a, a um, a technique called rotoscoping, where oh yeah, I've heard of that. Um, it it basically draws over the frame, and and get, get, you know you can adjust all the um, the weight of all the lines and things like that to give it an even more um, hard look and all that. But it, it comes with four plugins. Uh, sorry, yeah, four of these plugins. It's cartoon look, pencil sketch, charcoal sketch, and watercolor. And uh, basically the um, the, I, I kind of like the cartoon look and the pencil sketch because a, a cartoon look was one that I uh, I was been I've been looking for for many of uh, many a year, um, and the pencil sketch is quite nice because it remember the aha video take on me yeah um, it but it's basically that effect um, oh, really that it, that it does to your video so it's um, it's really cool. Um, so, is this the motion graphics pack? Is that what is that what it is, or what what product? Uh, uh, no, it's a pack called Continuum Cartoon Look. So, it's basically those four. Right. Uh, it's two hundred dollars US. Um, it sounds expensive, but that um, that plugin will work on Adobe After Effects, Adobe Premiere Pro, Final Cut Pro. Uh, Apple Final Cut Express and Apple Motion. Um, so it actually works, one one version of the thing works on um, about five, six different applications. Yeah. Um, just using uh, the plugin architecture. And, and like, I, I downloaded the trial, and then probably about a day or two later, I actually got an email from um, 
the the developers and, and said, oh, you know, we just wanted to chase up, see how what you thought of the, the thing. And it, it sort of went through um, a series of um, emails where I basically said, you know, I'm just loving this program. This is one that I've um, been looking for for ages. Wow. Um, I mean, we're, we're looking... The, 2001, I think it was, was when I jumped over from the Amiga platform onto Mac um, because the Amiga was sort of basically through mismanagement was dying, a slow death. <laughs> um, but on the Amiga, they had all these sorts of applications that that you could do it, you know, and, and I just haven't seen anything either on Windows or Mac up until the point that this um, uh, Final Cut Plug-in. Well, I, I use Final Cut Express, okay. um, uh, so I, I have to say it's a Final Cut plugin. But um, huh. it, it it it's good. It, it basically all you have to do is just select the clips that you want, and then just click on the plugin in its rawest form, and just go you know go for it. But you can um, go deeper into the effects and um, alter line weights and colors and things like that, and um, uh-huh. and then you go apply and it does it, you know, it, it depends on, on the, how long the clip is, um, as to, you know, and how much RAM and all that, that you've got, um, as to how long it takes to actually achieve the, the thing. But, I, um, I did a little test video for the review and, um, basically it took probably five minutes to, to convert. Wow. Uh, the the frame and we're talking probably I think it was about ten ten second clip, um, huh. so considering it's doing you know for for every second there's twenty five frames so that was effectively two hundred and fifty images that it had to convert, um, you know it, it's it's actually done a really good you know it, it is actually a really quick sort of a um, an application so. Wow. That's really good. So if you do a lot of video, this could be something that you could be interested in. And they've got others as well here. I'm just looking at their website. Yeah, they they have got a big array. I mean, we're, they're they're big, you know, um, full on package. The Boris box set. Yeah. You know, it's it's two grand US, but the just the amount of stuff that is in that package is just yeah. it's just phenomenal. You know, it, it'll it'll basically sort every. Um, uh, Every video developer's needs. Yeah. Uh, wow. So you know, and it, and it supports the the big package. Obviously, supports more um, uh, applications as well. You know, um, it nice. supports uh, was it Avid? So all the high end um, video applications. You know. Yeah. Cut Studio and all that. So, so that would probably have to be my pick, even nice. though I've done. View of it, it's it's definitely something that I, I think um, people should check out. Continuum um, cartoon speak. look, yeah, yep, and that's at uh, borisfx.com. Yep. Nice. Uh, and and just basically try out the trials. You know, I go onto oh, the right, site, yeah. try out the trials, and and see whether or not they work for you. If they do what um, they you want them to do, yeah. Um, but I, I would say you'd be hard pressed to to find anything on that level. Um, elsewhere. I mean, I, I've been trying to find shareware, open source, commercial stuff, and and this is probably the best of the lot that I've ever seen. So, um, I mean, it got to the point where to do what I wanted to do, I, I was using um, uh, Automator to 
apply looks using um, quartz uh, oh, wow. and all that. It wasn't doing what I wanted it to do, but it, it still gave it a degree of style. But, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about having to um, convert, use QuickTime to convert an image into um, individual frames. Yeah. Um, like one, one video I was looking at was, um, uh, was it, I think it was 38 seconds. It was 953 images it had to convert. Um, oh, that's a lot. You know, and, and originally before I worked out how to do it with Automator, I was um, doing it frame by frame and Pixelmator got me, uh, I think to do five seconds of footage, it took me three hours. Oh, so geez. just the time um, benefits of, of going to um, <laughs> something like the continuum packages is, is just yeah. unbelievable. You know, the, these are definitely um, packages that, that I would recommend. So that's definitely my package for effects plugins. No, sounds good. No, it's good. Mm. Well, that was a good discussion of Snow Leopard. Um, and uh, I'll probably be in uh, I'll probably be in Wellington quite a bit more over the next few few years actually. So uh, we'll ha- next we'll have to get Phil down from Palmy North. Yeah, and we can do like a three way kind of sitting in some cafe or something like. As long as it's not too loud, I guess. But um, yeah. yeah, that'd be it. Well, most of the cafes and all that in, in Wellington are pretty yeah. pretty cruisy, but um, yeah. So no, that that'd be good. Just a, an on the spot face to face. Yeah, that's right. Put a microphone in between us and then, uh, yeah, have at it. It'll be like a four-hour podcast or something. We'll have to split it up and release it like an hour at a time or something like that. So That would be pretty cool, just a big epic. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We'll see if we can find any more hotel employees trying to update boot camp or something like that. Good Lord. So, man, it was good chatting with you again. Yep. And uh, so we'll probably just we'll probably wrap it up at this point. So uh, if you're listening, obviously nzmac.com is the place to be. That's where you'll find forums and a community and all that kind of good stuff. And um, we'll look forward to seeing you around there. So thanks, Darren. See you soon, mate. Cool. Will do. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest presenter and do not necessarily represent those of nzmac.com.